I'd like to propose a toast. Hello and welcome to Before Brunch. I'm Megan Cassidy. And I'm Cassie Delaney. And we are your weekly celebrity pop culture, social issues and arts podcast. And we go live every Sunday morning right before brunch at about 11am. And we like to talk about the things that you're going to be talking to your pals about at brunch. So we take the things that have happened in the world during the week and we try and make sense of them and unpack them and make them relevant for our lives and therefore your lives. We are now brought to you by Diet Coke, our kind sponsors, and that is in association with their hashtag Because I Can campaign. So if you want to get involved in that campaign, just use the hashtag on Twitter or Instagram. Lots of fun events been happening in the city. Um, over the last few weeks, there was an art class with Mike Gibson during the week. Um, so hashtag Because I Can to get involved in that conversation. On to our conversation Cassie, what are we talking about today? No, sorry, we have to crack open our we cans. We're cracking open our cans of Diet Coke, and it's a lovely sunny Friday evening. Okay, so we've cracked open the can, now we can crack into the conversation. Uh, what are we chatting about? Today we are talking about the um, sportswoman list. No, mm. that there was no women on the highest. Sportswoman list, it was not. Yeah, there was no female sports people on the highest sports earners list. This is such an alien thing to me because sports is just not a thing that I check into. Okay, but all. you see, there's the conversation. So during the week, it was Forbes top 100 paid sports people in the world. Okay. Not one woman made the list. So obviously we've made, we feel like we're making massive progress all the time. Obviously repeal was amazing and uh, women and parity and equality and pay gap are all topics of conversation and they're at the forefront of everyone's mind. Mm -hmm. So it was quite sickening for this list to come out and not one person, not one female be on it. And that's the first time that's happened. And, and what is the reason for this? Is there so, any explanation? Obviously, people have been talking about this during the week. Well, look, you hit it on the head, okay? And this is not probably going to be a popular uh, conversation. But obviously, most of the top paid people on the list are there because of commercial partnerships. Mm -hmm. Or, say, the top person on the list is Floyd Mayweather, who um, is there because of his fight with Conor McGregor. Yeah. That wasn't actually a legitimate a sporting event it was an entertainment event yeah um, and that was kind of well accepted all the build up around it everything this wasn't a sporting event whereby two people have trained in the one sport and have mastered it and it's a fair competition this was a circus so the fact that he's top of the list has kind of taken away from the integrity of the list in general but a lot of the the people on it are there because of commercial partnerships um, and usually women do usually crack it and it's usually tennis players because mm -hmm. they would have the most lucrative commercial deals. Yeah. Your Serena Williams, your Maria Sharpova. Um, they're not on it this year. Those two women in particular for, for various reasons that we'll come back to. But in order for someone to command a really high salary, there has to be the commercial return. Mm -hmm. And you and I are not buying tickets to go and see women play soccer. So... Can we sit here and be disgusted that there's no female sports people on the list when we don't engage with our we don't engage with female sports people? Yeah. So I suppose, yeah, that is problematic that female sports people earn their money because of commercial deals. 
commercial deals don't work for female sports people because women aren't engaged in a sport and women therefore are not likely to buy the goods that they're pushing or the sponsorship deals. So exactly. it's not going to make sense for a corporate body to push sponsorship on women. Yeah. Where does the responsibility lie though? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I I'd be more likely to um engage with sport or to see sport or to see a sports person through a brand than I would be through the actual game. There you go. But like it's the chicken or the egg. So obviously people, Ronaldo and all those guys are on the list and people are turning out in their droves to see these guys uh, play football. So that's massive revenue off the back of Ronaldo himself, mm-hmm. off the back of David Beckham when he was playing. Is he still playing? I don't know. I don't like I don't sports. think David Beckham has played in a while. No, probably not. But the, the money that they can charge is a direct relation to the bums on seats Mm -hmm. which is the way in any industry and in any sport women will go in their droves uh, women and men pay in their droves to see serena williams play tennis Mm -hmm. so it's it's not just women it's it depends on the sport as well i do yeah it definitely does depend on the sport but when you think about like the most prolific sports men in the world like the likes of david beckham the likes of ronaldo they came to such prominence because not because of their sporting ability, arguably, but mm. because of their sponsorship deals and because their faces were on Calvin Klein and, uh, you know, whatever, Gucci and Nike and all those But that only comes off the back of gathering a large following through the sport in the first place, doesn't it? Like, if there was a female soccer player, she's not going to get the Nike partnership because she's not well-known enough. Yeah. And that's because people are not paying and it's it's not just women obviously men aren't paying to go see women play sport and they're not tuning in so you know um stations can't uh, make a massive turnover when people don't actually switch o- switch the match on when it is broadcast so it's yeah. it's to- it's chicken a- chicken or egg in every respect I'd um, actually be interested to hear what the guys on Fair Game, they'll probably talk about that. Yeah. And um, this week, Emily Glenn's podcast. Um, yeah, Emily Glenn, Emily Glenn and Elaine Buckley um, yeah. will probably talk about it. Uh, yeah, like it's an, it's really difficult mm-hmm. because you feel now there's obviously a problem we've identified here. We obviously want to fix it. The little feminist inside of me is like, oh yeah, that can be, that's ridiculous and can be fixed. Is the solution here then that we start supporting sporting? I, I just don't have an interest in sport. Neither do but I. Should I engage with it more to offer that that support so that there's sponsorship opportunities there so that women bec- can become more prolific in it? Like, yeah. Should we almost force ourselves or do it as, as a, like as a favor i don't know you see that's it but that's like we don't have the answer here but that's the guilt i felt when i was reading it two days ago the list was released and i thought oh that's disgusting and i can't believe we're not where we thought we were and then i looked at myself and i did say okay this is because they're not getting the commercial returns and when's the last time i parted with money to support a female sports person but we're not really very good test subjects because we don't follow sport in general whereas at all. it's not like, about women or men it's, it's not None of them. I couldn't tell you, like, if there is a match on, I'll be like, there is a match. I feel like people are talking about it. I do not know what sport it is. I do not know what shape the ball will be. No. I don't, like, nothing. I have comfortably gone through my entire life with knowing nothing Mm. about sport or any sporting event or ever seeing it. I watched that rugby match. Don't know the league. That one recently, a while ago, and there was a very exciting moment in the last minute or something 
Ireland Green scored a goal? I don't know. No. What did you call it? Yeah. A thing. Yeah. I don't know, but everyone was celebrating. But then it's kind of like, we've also talked about um, the kind of toxic masculinity and that culture in sport. Yeah. And so if we're trying to engage now more in sport and trying to bring women into it, there's still other problems that have to... Not that I avoid sport because of toxic masculinity. No. But... We're not avoiding sport. Yeah. At all. I I just don't have an interest in it. No, neither do I. Um, I think we're probably not rare like uh, none of my peers do but um, obviously there's other circles where they're sports mad um I don't engage with it naturally I'd have to go out of my way to say right I'm going to go to the women's soccer match um Mm. or to any soccer match I'd be going massively out of my way but I thought another interesting aspect here is the fact that it struck me that Serena Williams is not on the list this year because she has taken 18 months off uh, for to have a child. So she's in her 30s now. Um, a lot of people would have imagined that when Serena came to re- not retire, but to go and have a family in her mid-30s, that it was kind of going to be a retirement. Mm. Um, but not for Serena Williams because she's shit hot and she was like I'm coming back I'm coming back better than ever and apparently her form has been amazing mm-hmm. but her seeding is much lower so I don't follow tennis like this is this is a foreign Spanish. language to yeah. Me. yeah okay she so because she was out for a while mm-hmm. you don't come back in on the level that you were at yeah we can talk about whether we think that's fair or not but she would have been whatever seeding and now her seeding means that she'll have to fight or compete against a number of components before she gets back to to where she was at in that she's in like the lowest league kind of thing like the b team c team d team so this is this is um obviously something that we've discussed kind of many times before when we talk about the the factors that contribute to the gender pay gap so the gender pay gap in Ireland at the moment, I think, is like 13.7% or something. And globally, it's about 144 We're still doing appallingly. But um, it is it exists. That's We're just going to get that out there and say that it exists. There's enough s- to suggest that it does exist. And there's a couple of different factors that contribute to it or that have been stated to contribute for it. And maternity leave, norm, like naturally, is one of the biggest factors or excuses that are proffered when companies try and worm their way out of explaining why the women don't earn as much as men but I mean we've seen actually statistically and scientifically or the data suggests that it actually occurs much lower so it's just a slow builder but then when someone takes a gap of Mm. you know a year 18 months out it just becomes so much more evident because they don't get to go back into the level where they should be at. Mm-hmm. They, they don't get to progress during that pay scale. But you you can see a massive gap occurring in that time for a mm. lot of women that is un, like, it's unparalleled to what they would have been earning had they stayed in the job yes. at the same time. Yeah, and that's what, you know, it seems to me unfair. Now, uh, this might be, you know, ridiculous to someone who's really into the nuances of tennis. It seems to me unfair that her level has slipped back so much because simply because of absence like you don't come back and do like a fitness test or a, a you don't compete and then they put you where your seating is or however that's phrased I don't know the phrasing of I just know that her seating is lower and it's kind of I mean just I, automatically yeah so, so that does seem that does seem really unfair. that's not fair so that's why she hasn't made the list this year and that's 
so she did a documentary about coming back after having the baby and how much of a struggle it was. And yeah, maybe if she did come back straight away and like she pulled out of the French Open from due to injury, mm -hmm. a really painful injury. Um, maybe she wouldn't have been as hot as she was before she left, but can we decide that before she comes back? Which is what we technically do by saying, okay, now you're competing in this other level completely until you prove again. So you have to reprove yourself yeah. because you've taken that gap to have a family. And that's applicable to every industry. That's the thing. It is applicable to every single industry. And it is hard. Like, we work in, I suppose, we both work in media and startups and that kind of environment. And it's, I don't feel it's particularly male-dominated now, where I'm at Not now at all. in my career. But I have been in situations where it has been completely male-dominated. And that feels weird in work. Um and we've talked about it before that while it's not, I've worked in editorial teams where it's been very much female dominated, but the company and the culture as a, as a whole is very male dominated. So a lot of the times in any media organization that I've ever worked in, I've worked in several at this stage, in every single company I've worked in, it's been owned by a man, mm. which has an impact on the culture and the environment and all that kind of stuff. S both positives and negatives. Mm -hmm. um, the place of work in now, Jabio has a great culture. Um, the guys are fantastic. But the in, in other places where I have worked, it has an impact. And it's just that your work isn't as understood mm. or your position isn't as understood or you're seen as difficult. And there's certainly there's you're perceived differently to your male counterparts. Yeah. And it's insidious. It's not, um, you know, out in the open. It's the subtleties. It's mm -hmm. it's the difficulty of you leaving to have a baby. It's the people making decisions for you without you making the choice. And I've seen it when I've witnessed people um, in my last workplace that were uh, pregnant and they had their maternity leave booked in and through no one's fault. And it wasn't, it was 100% not just men doing it, but there's this idea of, oh, well, you probably won't be able to do that in October because you'll have just had the baby, so we'll count, we'll count you out. Yeah. And, you, and it's like, no, actually, let her tell us whether she'll be able or not. Like, let her make that call when the time comes because everyone has different pregnancies. Yeah. You can have a pregnancy with complications without. Um, people handle it differently. People might want to take the time off after they have the baby. Some people want to take it off before. We should never be making decisions for people um, or treating them any differently because they're about to have a baby. And it's not our place to let that affect their work. Yeah, absolutely. But there's also, there's such difficulty here in Ireland about our, our kind of parental leave policies because the onus always falls on the woman to take that time off. And I think mm. the standard sort of paternity leave policy for most new fathers is about two weeks. I think it's like two weeks and then another two weeks. I'm not entirely certain on that, so don't um, quote me on it. But... The mother obviously can take, I think it's like six months leave with a company and then an additional three months unpaid leave where you're mm. supported by social wel welfare to take that time off and bond with the baby and do all that motherhood kind of stuff. So you're looking at it, the woman's going to be out of, you know, she's probably going to be out of work for the good, anywhere between six months to a year. Mm -hmm. um, in the UK, they have shared parental leave, which is so much more... Uh, progressive than How it is How does that here. work? So basically there's a there's a bulk of leave assigned to the parents and they can split it between themselves and they however can take they however they wish. They okay. can take it at the same time and just 
you know, say it's, I think it's whatever, 42 weeks or something. Again, I'm just picking that number. I can't remember offhand. Mm -hmm. But they can take it at the same time and both be off together for 20 weeks. They can split up. They don't have to take it consecutively. You're just assigned that time. The mother can take some and then the father can take some within the first year or whatever it Mm. is. But the uptake on fathers taking shared parental leave is actually really, really low. I would imagine if I, I don't know, I've never had a baby, but I'd imagine I'd be saying, fuck you getting that leave. Like, you can go to work. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out here. I need it. But you should be able to make that choice, probably. And there could very well come a time where you're like, you know what? Going to work would actually be an unbelievable break for me this week. Yeah. So you stay home. It absolutely depends, I think, as well, on the career that you're in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, if you're, I'd say if you're working in a creative industry or a creative person, you'll be itching to get back to work. Because mm-hmm. not even to get back to work, but to be doing something. Because that's obviously going to be a value or something that you need to fulfill. And you'll you'll want that and you'll feel compelled to mm. be doing stuff. And I th- that probably applies to a lot of people who are passionate about their, their jobs and their work. It's not, you know, people find jobs now that make them happy. Mm. Um, and we've we've done massive research in Jobio in, in, um, into what makes people happy at work. And it's stuff like the, the highest contributor to making people happy at work are, are their friends yeah. and their work colleagues. Mm. Um, and... So people are probably dying to get back into those environments, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think we have such a nice culture now where it's expected that millennials will change jobs every year or two. That's the that's acceptable mm-hmm. now. Whereas before it was that you got your job and you stayed there for 15, 20, 30 years or whatever yeah. it is. But with that freedom now to jump job and also that there's been so many benefits to changing jobs every two years because it's easier to jump up in your salary when you go a big leap from company to company. Mm it's easier for people to find roles that they really enjoy. True. And places that they really enjoy working in. Yeah, but true. But we are now at the age where we'll be thinking in the next few years, do I want to have babies? How am I going to have them? Where am I going to have them? Mm-hmm. Um, and how does that impact my work? So then do you think, and this is a particularly poignant conversation at the moment, because obviously recently we've just said, hey, women can have a choice about reproducing and it's something that we should be all cognizant of. And it's not just something that happens when it happens. It's something that we can plan for and yeah. make decisions around. You and I both know people who've probably waited to have babies because of work. Career, yeah. Um, are we going to be in a position where I think it's time will be running out for us to say we can swap jobs every year? We might have to start thinking, you know, in the next job or two, this is where this I'm going to have my we... child. Yeah. So how is that going to work here? I mean, I think you definitely need... that. They're the kind of factors you need to be considering when you're at a certain age and you're choosing your place of work. You know, you have to... There has to come a point in your life where you need to be able to say, this salary allows me to achieve the things that I want to do in my life. This place of work makes me happy enough that I'm happy to come in here every single day. This fulfills a lot of the things that I need to fulfill for myself. I think the thing that people consider and the attitude that we experience a lot, especially with our kind of... The older millennial is that attitude of like, oh, I'm afraid to leave after, Mm. I've only been here for three months, I'm afraid to leave. I know it's not right for me, but I just want to get that six months or a year on my CV. Yeah. But like that attitude, that's gone. Mm. I think employers respect more when you can say, look, it wasn't a cultural fit for me. I have my values. I know what I want in life. It wasn't that. Respect the company, respect the work. I was capable of it. I didn't like the culture. Yeah. 
talking about culture now in interviews and cultural fits is so much more commonplace and with that comes an incredible freedom for people mm. to be able to say look but here's the thing that's retrospective so you say I don't you've been in the job a year and you say I don't like how this culture is going and I don't think it's the right place for me to you know maybe start a family or whatever but would you like honesty hour would you ask in an interview what the maternity uh what's the word the policy what's the maternity policy because I in all honesty will not be asking that in the near future no I wouldn't because for a couple of different reasons. First mm. of all, not right now because it's not of it's not of interest to me right now. It's not yeah. going to be applicable to my life. Potentially, in if I move company, the next place I go will be something that I would question or ask. But I wouldn't feel pressure to ask it because maternity leave policies, you are protected by law. They have to have one in place. It has mm. to. There has to be a minimum standard of maternity leave policy but you do have to qualify for it. you have to be yeah. in the company for a certain period of time to and do you it. need to know when you're accepting the job even though I've never known obviously and I, do, I um, if I were to move on in the next few years I don't think I'd be comfortable asking it even though I should know yeah. Like you can take for granted that there is a policy but it should be a big part of your decision here's your honesty hour now as Ooh. someone who's hiring people mm. If someone asked you that in an interview, would your mind not go to thinking that they were here for the benefits? Like for me, when someone asks about perks in the first interview, yeah, it puts me off. But you see, there we go. We're saying that that's a perk, your maternity policy. But I mean, I just and that's when just they how ask, it's if, embedded. If they ask about, of perks course, general, if yeah. if someone sat across from me and said, "What's your maternity policy?" My instinctive reaction, unfortunately, would be difficult. And that's because we have spent so much time in male-dominated environments where we've been made to feel difficult. Yeah, and it's really but sad. It's, but it's it's just, it's so cyclical now because we're inheriting those same feelings and we're not doing anything to yeah. to adapt, you know, to change or, or improve the culture there. Yeah, and but I think it does come back to how we, I would think of that as a perk as well. I'd be like, why is this person, like one of my favorite mottos in the workplace is be useful before you're difficult. So perks <laughs> in like, perks in the interview, like for me, that would be like, what would be a perk that I'd be like, please don't ask me about that. Um, like how many, f- how much freebies do we, do you get? Or like, that's annoying. Yeah, That's annoying. And it's like, get out. You're not here for the right reasons, but we should never see like pension policies or what's your maternity leave policy. I would feel if someone asked me that I'd be so shocked because it doesn't happen mm-hmm. for, in my short experience and intimidated by their adultness. I'd be intimidated at their adultness and their forthcomingness Mm -hmm. and I'd be like why is she trying to test me (laughs) I'd be like this is a test or a challenge this is a secret shopper yes he's coming to test me and see where I am I do constantly have that anxiety even though I've never in my life heard well no there used to be old stories of people like people would go in an interview with the likes of Cosmo and all these different like you know, Vogue, all these publications to talk about how difficult the interview process was. Mm. Nobody is going to do that to us. Nobody is going to come in and be like, oh, those media moguls are bitches. (laughs) Like, we put it too much out in the line here. But you, what would you think if someone, you're hiring people too, what would you think if someone said, what's the maternity policy? 
I actually did have someone in an interview asking me about the health insurance policy. Okay. Which I was kind of like, oh, I respect whatever. And it was just because yeah. she'd come from somewhere where there had been a, a policy and she wanted to know, was that going to be continued on? I didn't have the answer because it's something that I didn't even know. Yourself. I didn't yeah. even know more because it's just not something that I have tried to access. But like we're we're a startup. We have, we're growing. Like we're only putting policies and stuff in place now. Like I could tell you about it now. I couldn't mm-hmm. at the time. If so, it de- I think it depends. There's a lot of factors. I think like you instinctively, if someone started asking me about maternity leave, I would balk a little bit and I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh no, they might want to get pregnant. Because it's very difficult as an employer mm-hmm. to consider projects. And this is awful. And I, I, this is, this, I am, I will but consciously. be honest. Yeah, I'm being honest. And I will make an attempt to, um, you know, to balance my unconscious bias here. So when if mm-hmm. it does happen in an interview or I am interviewing someone, I will go the extra mile to try and, you know, try and get over that because it is just something that's inherent. But it is very, my initial reaction is that it's hard to plan projects that could be three, six, nine, 12 months down the mm-hmm. line when you know that someone's not going to be there for a really big bulk of time. Yeah, that's it. And it's, that's, that's it. It's not me thinking, oh, they're going to need time off all the time for their kids. I love kids. It's more about what way is that going to affect? And hiring is so hard. It's hiring is grueling. so difficult. Mm-hmm. Finding the right fit for your organization is really, really, really hard. Like 100%. But that said... Um, when you are in an interview process, when you meet someone who gets it and it clicks and you know that they're going to get the culture and their work is really amazing, that for me would offset the maternity leave. But you see, it's different now because people aren't in their jobs for 25 years. So I can't hire someone knowing that, okay, this is They'll a 10 year investment. Yeah. And what's six months when she's going to be here for 10 years? It's not that way anymore. And it's also all of the power is in the candidate's hands. Mm. So people are shopping around for jobs a lot more than they used to. And they feel like they're empowered. They feel like there's there's plenty of opportunities out there. There's like remote working opportunities. There's loads. People are moving around a lot more. The power is there again for the candidate. And what we're seeing is that there are things like the culture the, the company's values, whether the company has a good employer brand, whether the company has a good reputation, are high, high factors in them considering a job. In fact, like so many people, I think it's like 76% of people told us in one of our pieces of research that they would take a lower salary at a job that had a better reputation than in a company that had a bad one. Mm-hmm. So like they are looking into the culture and the fit much more than even the job description and the work and stuff it's so important for people to find that sense of happiness and that comfort in the place that they're going to spend their nine to five that's it it's more about i think the hiring process now is about people uh, rather than skill sets yeah it's something that we like we incorporated it into our into the actual jobio platform is that when you go on now and you browse a job you'll know because you're using it to hire but when you go on and you browse a job, you don't just see the job description. You don't just see the hours of the side or whatever. It's you see person. you see videos of people. Like we go and we have a we have a whole employer branding team who go into offices and they take um, they take videos of people behind the scenes videos. And we've done so much research into how people will respond to those videos and who they want to hear from and what will make them trust a company and what they want. And instead of just like you know going in on a surface level and trying to get companies to say that we give them that research and present it to them and encourage them to to pledge to do that the same when we did the gender pay gap um 
campaign last year, we got we showed the companies the research, and then like hundreds of companies in the UK pledged to alleviate the gender pay gap mm-hmm. in their own offices, and then we promoted that on the platform because mm-hmm. we know that that's what people want to want to see when they're looking for work. We spoke about it a couple of weeks back about brands aligning themselves with social movements. Yeah. But one thing I've loved about the whole Jobio experience when we've created a channel now for hiring, and. Uh, you guys were like, oh, send over some pictures and some video content or whatever. And I sent over our logo and a blurb. And they were like, no, no, no. We need to feel this place on this page because that is what candidates are looking for. They want to see what the office feels like. They want to make sure that they're going to be a fit culturally. It's as important sometimes as the spec. Um, So, and then vice versa, as I look through candidates, I'm getting a much more holistic picture of what they're like as a person obviously in a startup we're both in sort of semi-startups and they you know you're working in very close proximity with people yeah you're in my office right now our table is just down there it's a table that you like you're on the floor with everyone it's also a really really tough environment and that's where it's saying like when you work in a startup you're working in a company that's maybe two three four years old Mm. Everything changes every day. Mm-hmm. The, I, like, the business model changes all the time because you have to adapt and you're learning as you go and it's terrifying. And that kind of culture just isn't right for everybody. And that's fair. That's fine. Some people need more structure. Yeah. There's certain people who thrive in that kind of environment. But I've seen people come in and out and in all, I've worked in many startups at this age. I love the startup environment. But I've seen many people come and go because it's just too high pressure for them. Yeah. And that's more, again, testament to hiring a person rather than a skill set. Because I know uh, we're looking down, we're in a soundproof booth now with a glass window that I can look down at, at all the Love & Media staff. So many of them have, their roles have um, morphed and they've migrated to different areas and back. And it's expanding their skill sets and using different skill sets as the months go on because the digital landscape is always disrupted one month it might be video is everything and the next month it's podcasts podcasts okay all right i mean i had no experience with um sound production or anything when i first took my first media role now i have to be able to produce sound i have Mm -hmm. to be able to edit graphics i have to be able like i'm not good at it and i call cassie 10 times if i'm trying to edit something i'm calling cassie i'm like what the fuck is happening but you have to be able to do it all but that's the the person but and the the thing is there's no excuses anymore because you can do online courses for free you can go on youtube everything you need to know is out there and it's available so if Mm -hmm. you can't keep up there is just no there is no i didn't learn this in college i don't know how to do it because that just doesn't float anymore Mm -hmm. um i'm going to use your hire a person not a skill set in my next campaign i like that it is true though i mean one of our interview questions now here um it wasn't mine it wasn't my bright idea our CEO one of the first things we ask is where do you socialize like where do you go what you what do you do at the weekend yeah. like, get a picture of who this person is um, and then you will more than likely even if they come to you with a skill set that's really well defined and they've got all these qualifications in six months time we could very well be asking them to help out with something else yeah you know and that's the that's the way these businesses run best and when you have people who are effective they're usually effective at whatever they put their hand to if they've passion for the brand and if they share the vision yeah. they'll roll in row in behind it and they'll 
do what needs to be done. Absolutely. This is going to get me some serious brownie points now back in the office because everyone that I work with listens to this and it definitely <laughs> counteracts from last week when I was like, I don't know, is this what I want to do? <laughs> yeah. I love it. You owed them one. I owed them one. I also took a half day today and we get off at half four on a Friday. We've just come in for two and a half hours uh. after lunch. The Diet Coke Because I Can campaign is about carefree, fun with friends and celebrating the things in life that make you feel good. Take part in the Diet Coke Because I Can series by following hashtag Because I Can. Do you know yeah. what I did? What? I'm surprised you didn't ask me up the top of the podcast. Sorry. Do you know where I you was get... this morning? Where were you? Megan, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I was in Bike World. Finalizing. I bought a helmet finalizing the sale of my Vespa. I am so happy for you. I know I was one of the naysayers. I didn't believe in you. It's gorgeous. I am I can't believe you bought it. Mm. Like how do you There's feel? There's a couple of things. I actually feel fantastic. So what happened was I saw it on Done Deal during the week and I sent it to my mom. I was like, I want to go look at this at the weekend. Mm. And my mother my, both my parents are terrible influences on me. My mother texted me back straight away and said, you'd want to put a deposit on that now because that's going to sell really quickly. And I was like, you're dead right, Trish. You're dead right. She just went with you. She just... Millennial just, parent. They just go with it's me, like, right? you dream it, you do it, Cassie. She was like, yeah, put a deposit on that now because that's going to go. So um, I did put a deposit on it. And then... But they have like a finance thing. like, And it's really low. It's not like a loan. It's just you can pay by the week in Bike World. So it's practically free. Which is probably oh. a bad thing to yeah. say, but it's free. Um, and then, so I, 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 this was on like Tuesday, I, Wednesday, I'd put the deposit on it, um, was out, came, was talking to my dad on Thursday morning. And I kind of was anticipating his reaction being somewhat like, ah, here. What's wrong with you? Just for, like, just for context, I had to pay by Quill 70 euro to deliver it to my house because I can't drive it. Oh. Because I don't have... I don't have a moped license. I've lost my driver's license. I went today to try and sort that out. The queue was three hours, so I need to go back another day. <laughs> but I'm on the move. Like, I'm trying to do on all the these move, things. Literally, on a Vespa. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, I just wanted it. And I want to do it. And I think that you, you just have to say yes to things sometimes. Well but done. anyway, my dad, I thought he was going to be the one who was like, Cassie or Cassandra, when mm. he's really stern with me. So on Thursday morning, he was like, and... Can I ask, have you ever driven a motorbike? <laughs> it's a good question. Solid question. And I turned around and I said, do you know what, Tom? I haven't. Okay. I haven't. And his response, well, let me tell you, you're going to have a great time. <gasps> yeah. Go on, Tom. Go on, Tom. They're very supportive. Stupidly so, which is why I now have a very gorgeous Vespa being delivered to the suburbs tomorrow. <laughs> And a very gorgeous retro helmet. That's fabulous. I like when you first said it, I genuinely thought you were looking for attention. Like no. sometimes you look for attention. This was real. Like when I suggested getting Botox. Yeah, Cassie writes into our group, like just fishing for compliments once a week. Guys, nice. I think I'm gonna get Botox. I was like, I'm not giving that hop. I that is an attention seeking move and we're moving on. It was just absolutely not stop looking for attention. You're not gonna get it. Yeah. But the reason I'm not going to get it is because I remember that day that we went to the Fitzwilliam Clinic and they basically told us that we were gorgeous and we didn't need anything except for my facial peel. We went because I was going to get my lips done. And they wouldn't give them to you because your lips were gorgeous. That's what they I'm said. I'm so glad that this came up. Yeah. Like, 
once again, she was like, your lips are too big. I don't want to do that. And I'm so glad she did because I really, I had woken up with severe regret. I was like, I don't want to do this, but we were filming it. And I was like, I have to do it. So then instead they gave you a laser treatment or something. A laser facial. They did say that neither one of us needed any work. Like proper work. I don't remember them saying that about you. She looked at my red cheeks and she said, I can fix that. But that's the only thing that you need to fix. I thought she had said, OK, Megan, you don't need the lips, but I can work with Cassie. Like, I think that that's just that's gone haywire in your head. Yeah, I don't know. But I do just remember like us going into the room with me about to get up on the table. And you ended up on the table with goggles on getting a laser thing. Yeah. For my treatment appointment. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's not important. It was a great day. We got free coffee. We got. We still owe that kiosk five euro. We owe the kiosk five euro. Um, let's very quickly talk about what's consuming the evenings. For both of us, I think you're watching every night. Oh, I've fully yeah. committed. I can't watch it tonight, but I have it on series <gasps> record. Fully yeah. committed. Love Island. If you're Love not Island. a fan of Love Island, you can just knock off now. And this will feature heavily over the next eight weeks. <laughs> I mean, it's something, it's so funny because it's not even divisive. Like someone in my office, I won't say who, CEO, um, was making fun of me for watching it. And then I asked him a sly question. I was like, oh, what do you think, Alex? He had a full response. I was like, so you are also watching it. Oh, everybody's watching it. Everybody is watching it. It's not polarizing. It's just everybody. Everybody's watching it. I, um, My mom started watching, with, with me, uh, watching it with me the other night. And she had never seen it before. And she just, people in her office are watching it. And the only way to describe it to her, like trying to, trying to describe it to her, be like, oh, he came in now and he's, he's the sixth boy, so he got a date and blah, blah. Yeah. The only difficult. way I could describe it, it's, it's the way you should describe it to anybody who doesn't watch with nobody, is it's like musical chairs, but instead of chairs, there are boys' willies. Okay, you, you have it. That's it. That's it. Did you come up with that? Yeah. Coin it. TM. That's it. At before brunch. That is it. No, but it's girls' vaginas too. Yeah, it switches. That's, I love that. Um, yeah, it's it's so incredibly addictive. I think one of the key things with Love Island that differentiates it from, like the mo- most popular question I get from person who doesn't watch it, there's one person in my life, is is it not Jersey Shore? Like, is no. It not Jer- and the key difference is they're not allowed to drink heavily. They yeah. get like two drinks a day and that makes for great, literal, genuine drama because... They're cooped up together. There's no shit drama that doesn't make any sense that everyone apologizes for the next day. Yeah. It's all real because no one's drunk. Um, they fall so madly infatuated with each other because, because it's they're hot. in the quail talked environment again. It's quail talked. It literally is. It's so the weather's nice and they're all in bikinis. They're all gorgeous. They don't see anyone else except for each other. And like you fall for someone so quickly when you're overexposed to them. It's yeah. horrific. Like when there's six people in your world, of course you do. Yeah. It is brilliant. But you you hit the nail on the head. So last year obviously it just blew up entirely because nobody was watching it. And then it kind of, it went massive. And the people who were on it didn't realise it and gotten so big. Mm. So you you said it during the week that these people now expect everyone to be watching and they're a different calibre of people yes. altogether. You can see the motivations. Like last year, Kem and Chris were just magic. Mm. No one, like Love Island was popular, but it was nowhere near. Like it was not a case that you go in and you come out with a million followers. 
previously. Mm. Um, so they would have went in and known, okay, I'll probably have, you know, a few hundred thousand followers or people might be watching or whatever. But it was not talked about really before this. Like, I don't remember it being covered have, like massively in the press or anything. I've no. rewatched the seasons now. Now there's, like, now there's the website, the podcast, the app. The app. Everything. It's um, totally all consuming. It's everywhere. But those guys last year were just, they didn't know. They were being real. And there was so many wonderful moments because of that. But this year, it's like they are playing the fame game and mm -hmm. that there's a direct replacement for every character last year. Yes. The and 2018 Montana. You have 2018 Montana. I've given them all nicknames to make them more enjoyable. Please. In my head. Enlighten us. So, well, I've told you about some of them. We've got Gary Coleman there. Yeah. Can we yeah. talk about how Wes is 90? <laughs> yeah. He is. He, is. he does not look 20 at no. all. No. Right? You have... Adam is like action man, but like he's more mm. obnoxious than action man. He kind of, he reminds me of last year's Jamie an awful lot. It's, it's very similar. They looking. look very alike. I don't know how he's only 22. It's not real. Oh no, it's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Then we've got Zane. Zane, let me, Niall. Yeah. But you could also very much liken him to Kem or Chris from last year, like he's a combo. The, he's the Kem character. But he's doing it. Like it's a thing that he has decided to do and it's really annoying me. It's just not the same as how organic it was last year with Kem yeah. and Chris. He's trying to do the, oh, I'm just the cute guy who's up against the Adonis that, you know, I'm the funny one and I'm insecure. And I'm like, no, like you can see him like smile before he says something funny because he just thinks he's so gas. Yeah. yeah. They didn't feel that way about themselves last year. No. They were genuinely funny. But I don't know. I'm not into it as much this year as I have been. I think it will grow on me. There's nobody yet that I have. I like Sophie Alice-Bexter, the the one with the eyes beautiful Kendall. Kendall yeah and I think that she needs a lot of nurturing what I love about this is that they go in the girls seem to go in there genuinely hurt but <laughs> broken genuinely believing that they will find love Re yeah. like really really convinced that there's like I'm I don't know this for a fact but I'm pretty sure there's no psychologists or people having chose chosen people for them oh, I was gonna say though I wonder, do they? I don't. I think they pick the best looking people that apply. No, Cassie, they don't. Because are you some of those people that you are applied? minging. <laughs> they did they not mustn't. pick me. They mustn't. No, they, it is not the best looking people. There's 80,000 people applied for this series. Danny Dyer's daughter, Danny. Can we talk about how is fucking not, lazy that is? She, like, it's just, I, we should officially not be allowed to have celebrities in this. And we should officially vet people to make sure they don't want to be famous because it ruins it. If you want to be famous, Adam your motivation is different. Adam wants yes. to be famous. He does. He wants to be a famous personal trainer. And that's something. informing every decision he makes. I don't care who he couples up with because I'm like, it's a strategy. I don't care. I want to see romance. I want to see someone couple up with someone because they are mad about them despite themselves. Like, yeah. this is calculated and it's... I'm going to consider Danny Dyer's daughter because that'll make headlines tomorrow. Yeah. Like, I really dislike the coupling between Gary Coleman and the real housewife of Love Island. Do you know that I can tell you the exact moment that she turned on a dime and literally turned on a dime and was mad about him? When the two girls... No, what, not when the two girls came in. It was before that. But she it was before that. In that game, the kissing game, where they all go up and they stand on opposite sides and you tell secrets about each other and then... Someone said, so she was not having any of him at all. She was yeah. mad about Adam. They said that he spent a grand, a thousand euro on a date. The glint in her eye. 
she her eyes lit up and from that moment My obsessed buddy. yeah but it can happen like genuinely i'm i'm sort of relating to like say danny with jack i'm really bad at names think of jack yeah had you know mugged him off as they say then the minute Haley shows interest she's back giving it another go but that's not even a game or anything that's genuinely that fucking happens yeah but also it's like they're really protecting themselves now because someone's going to go home tonight one of the girls is going to go home tonight because there's not enough musical dicks to go around (laughs) next week it'll be musical badges but this week it's musical dicks Um, it for me on Sunday we'll know who it was but you know, I'm going to predict from the past. It has to be Haley going home. She has no one. No, I think she's enjoyable though because she's but the one who's most convinced that she's going to fall in love. Okay, like but when she was talking to yeah, whatever his name is, yeah, yeah, um, and he was like, "It's a game," and she was like, "So you've got a game plan?" Like it was just so. Funny. She's too thick to do the game plan thing. Yeah, but who is she going to couple up with? This is not about who's funny or who's endearing. It's you better have a couple or you're out. And she doesn't have a couple. Who's who's he going to choose? One of the new girls? Yeah, is going to go for Kendall. Adam oh is going to yeah. go for Sophia. Rosie. Yes, where have I gotten Sophia? There is no Sophia. Adam is going to go for Rosie. Therefore, Kendall is up for grabs. Eyal is going to go for Kendall. Yeah. Jack is going to go for Danny. Yeah. Who does Haley have? She has no one. Alex. Alex is going to go back with Samira because he does not have romance, but they're friends and Samira has no one else. No one else is going to pick her. They will couple up again. No, it's all it's all going to come up. It's all going to unwind tonight, I think. Yeah, you see, maybe, maybe. There's because they're all they're all playing games right now. There today. They are all contemplating their game plan right now. As Samira, we sit here. Samira isn't a loss. Isn't it cool that like the game playing of romance that is so part of every romance it's all games like even when you're with someone for 10 years there's still a game like there's still a tug of war isn't it funny to put people in an environment and encourage them to hone their game yeah it is it's hilarious it's absolutely brilliant like ethically I have so many problems with it and I don't want to deep dive in and try and be intelligent about this I just absolutely am here for the drama so did you not like my point there about like the the game thing you think that was no no I like I think that that's that's the right level of yeah yeah, that's it. But I don't want to get into this like, you know, if we were to talk about, we could talk about the gender divide. You could there, talk about it. pitting men and yeah. women against each other. And yeah, it's, it's not know, inclusive it's, in any way of like. No, it's so heteronormative. It's, it's skinny, good looking, straight men, women. Like, yeah, the end. Quite white, like ugh. very white. It's and privileged. But hey. I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. And I'm going to totally commit for the next eight weeks and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm in. Um, it's every night. It's 36 hours <laughs> of Love Island. That is something that's not as bad as when you say six weeks every night, it feels worse than 36 it's not hours. eight weeks. Is it eight weeks? It's eight weeks. Okay. So it's more than 36 hours. 48. 48 hours. Like that's how long it takes to read War and Peace. I might read it after when Love Island is over. Um, Okay, we have run out of time there. We've actually gone a little bit over time today, which means we've run out of... um, Book club time. Book club time. Next week, um, keep keep reading. um, (laughs) 
and do DM us if you've got any burning uh, opinions about the book. Um, thank you. Thanks so much. You can please rate, review, subscribe, send us to your friends, follow us on all the social channels. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. The Diet Coke Because I Can campaign is about carefree, fun with friends and celebrating the things in life that make you feel good. Take part in the Diet Coke Because I Can series by following hashtag Because I Can.